If you don't know me, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are in a series called Rhythms. And we're in this series to start 2021 off with a bang. And when you think about it, life is all about rhythms, right, that shape and form the way we live out our faith. So the question is, are our rhythms leading us to reflect Christ or are our rhythms leading us to reflect the world that we live in? When Dallas Willard was asked, the great, what is the great enemy of the spiritual life? It was easy for him to answer. He said, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. And this is what we've based this series off, the book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So I'd really encourage you to get that book, move along with us. But you know what? Jesus never hurried anywhere. And if we want to live the life Jesus lived, then we must live in the rhythms that Jesus lived in. And we've been exploring a few of these rhythms that Jesus lived in over the last couple of weeks with David and Beck. How blessed are we to have people like David who is up here and Beck to share the word with us here at Cooley? We are so blessed, aren't we? We have such amazing leaders in this church. I could go away for three weeks and just not have to worry about here at all because I know they love Jesus and they love people. So I felt blessed being away. But what today we're going to do is we're going to explore the rhythm of Sabbath rest. But before we do that, I'd like to pray. So would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are present and active with us today. Lord, would you help me preach your word? I thank you, God, that you use broken vessels like me to preach grace, truth, and love. And Lord, may they not look to me, but only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. There's not a person here that doesn't have time to Sabbath. There's not a person here that doesn't have time to Sabbath. Now, you might be sitting there super angry at me right now, super annoyed because I don't understand your lifestyle. I don't know the struggles that you face. And that's fair enough. But what we need to do is we need to intentionally incorporate Sabbath into our lives. But you know what? The reason why we explore Sabbath is because none of us can afford not to Sabbath. Not one of us. Not only that, do we know that it is a command of God? It's not a suggestion. It's not like, oh, if you get a chance to rest, just rest. God said, no, it's a command that we must rest. We must take the Sabbath. And look, Jesus rested and observed the Sabbath. And he had one of the most urgent messages for the entire universe. Yet he still took time to pause, to stop and spend time with God and Sabbath rest. So there's a little caveat here. Obviously in life there are emergencies, there's things that come up. So I, I agree with that. There's things that come up in an emergency state or time and you just have to get it done and you go through these seasons where you work a lot. That happens. But what we're talking about today is implementing an intentional rhythm of Sabbath into our daily lives, into our normal daily lives. So what is Sabbath? Well, Sabbath means to rest from your labour. It means to, to take time away from your job and just simply rest. It's that simple. And according to Exodus 20, where we find this command, the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week that God commanded the children of Israel to take, to take time to rest, just like God did when he created the heavens and the earth and he rested on the seventh day. They were to rest and remember that, but also remember the blessing of that day as well. 
And so the Hebrew, uh, the Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word called, and the word is Shabbat, which literally means to stop. It's simply a day to stop, stop working, stop wanting, stop worrying, stop striving, just stop. But it also can be translated delight. So there's this dual idea of stopping and delighting in the blessing that God's given us. So we find it in Exodus 28 to 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We see here in this command to the children of Israel, he says, hey, six days you can work, but on the seventh day I want you to rest. And not only you, but everyone who works with you, everyone in your household, even your cattle, even your animals, even your cat and dog get a little break. They get a rest as well. And I love the last bit where he says, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God blessed it to be a blessing. And do we know the context of where we find this passage of Scripture? It's the fourth commandment. We, actually, we know the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not murder, shall not steal, shall not lie, shall not commit adultery. Lord your God is the only God. We shouldn't have any other gods. Like the Ten Commandments, it's in the top ten for God. So when it sits alongside commands like thou shalt not murder, we really need to take heed of what God's asking us to do. And this is the problem, right? But the interesting thing is, Sabbath, this isn't, isn't when the first time Sabbath comes up in Scripture. It's not here. It's right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2. It's where God created the entire universe and the world and all that we see in it today. In Genesis 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and the, all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God created and made. We see right at the beginning of Scripture, God rests on the seventh day. He creates all the heavens and the earth and everything in them and he sits back and he rests in it and he sanctified it and he blessed it, it says again. He said, I'm going to make this day beautiful and he blessed it for us and for himself. So was God tired? Was God like, oh man, that was a big week. I need to relax. Like I'm so tired from making you know, the world and, and animals and all those billions of animals in the sea and, and the humans and all that sort of stuff. That was hard work. No, God wasn't tired. He's all powerful, right? But God made that day a blessing for everyone. His work was complete and it was perfect. So he was able to stop and sit back and just delight in it. He would say things like, it is good, it is very good after each day of creation. And so it was a blessing to God, and God wants us to enjoy the blessing of re reflection and the enjoyment of his creation when we rest. So we see right at the start of Scripture, there's this rhythm that God implements in resting. And we've got to realise it's the Godhead there. So we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right at the beginning of Scripture resting on the seventh day. Because creation was created through, in and through Jesus. It says God, word went out and created the heavens and the earth and the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. So we see Father, Son and Spirit 
already at the beginning of Scripture, entering into this rhythm of rest. So why do we find it so hard? Why do we find it so hard to rest? Well, it's because of our sin. We have this culture of accomplishment and accumulation. And we just want more and more stuff, so we work harder and harder. And we put our identity into our work. We put our identity into our achievements. It's what I can produce is where I get my identity from. We find our worth and our value in that. And we have all these pressures like financial pressures, like peer pressure, societal pressure, telling us, you know, you just got to work harder. You got to get better. You got to earn more stuff. You just got to look and, and be up with the Joneses. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. And then we have the distraction of social media, TV, where these things pull us away from real rest. Because generally when we're on those things, we have more anxiety afterwards because we're looking at all the things we wish our life was like and we don't feel like we can attain it. And so all these problems pull us away from the enjoyment of rest. And the funny thing is, Sabbath rest hasn't just been an issue now, it's been an issue forever. And we see in the life of Jesus they had an issue as well. And in Mark 2 it recounts one of these issues. Now, Jesus and the disciples, they were walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. They weren't working. They were just out taking a leisurely walk, enjoying God's creation. And they come into a field and it says, Now it happened that Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck their heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? You see, they're walking through, they're plucking some grains ahead, and these religious rulers are like, that's not lawful. You shouldn't be doing that. You see, at the time, the Jews had put all these other rules on top of the Sabbath. So it was just generally made that we, they would stop and enjoy each other and enjoy life. But then they went, no, let's, let's throw these other rules on top. And you know what? You can't prepare food. So if they're preparing food, they're breaking the Sabbath. They're doing something that's wrong. They're sinning. And it didn't stop there. The Jews had put all these rules on, like you couldn't write on the Sabbath. Weren't allowed to. You couldn't prepare food on the Sabbath. You had to do it all the day before. You couldn't make a fire on the Sabbath. And do you know what? Even if your house was burning down, it was illegal to extinguish a fire on the Sabbath. So you just got to stand there and go, well, it's the Sabbath. Can't work on that. Just have to stand there and watch your whole city burn down. Like, that's crazy, right? So they put all these extra rules on the Sabbath. And now they're accusing Jesus, who is Lord of the Sabbath, who is God, who implemented it, you're doing it wrong. So Jesus replies to them, he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. You see, the Jews had turned what was intended to be a blessing into a curse for themselves. Why? All the same things that we struggle with. Accomplishment, accumulation, identity. They wanted to achieve something. They had pressure societal from the religious rulers. They wanted to please God. And not only that, they wanted to have their own righteousness so they could stand before God and go, look, I added all these extra rules. Look how holy and righteous I am. They added these extra rules out of pride to show how holy and righteous they were. So they turned a blessing into a curse. And that's why Jesus corrects them. And he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. Sabbath was actually made to serve humanity. It was there to be a blessing to us. But all these extra rules that they put on, it actually became work. It was such hard work to keep the Sabbath in those days. You wouldn't believe it. It's totally contradictive to the purpose that it was intended. 
Now listen to this. Like when Stu Cameron, I think I've told this story before, Stu Cameron, who used to be our lead minister, went over to Israel. And on the Sabbath day, he walked up to an elevator. And there were all these observant Jews there. And so he pressed the button. And they all got in the lift. And they were all standing there. And they're like, oh, mate, can you um, press number three? Can you press number seven? So Stu had to press all the buttons for the levels. You know why? Because they believed if you press the button, that's work on the Sabbath and you're breaking the law. How hard is that? That is hard work. That's, that's not rest to me. Like you drop your pen, you're like, hang on, do I pick it up? Do I not pick it up? Is that work? Is that not work? Do I get, is like putting my shoes and clothes on in the morning, is that work? Do I just get dressed the, the night before and go to bed in my clothes so I can get up so I don't work in the morning? Like, could you imagine what's going on in your brain if you're trying to work out if something's work or not? They've turned what was meant to be a blessing into a curse. That would be such hard work. And we sit there and go, ha, silly Jews. But do you know what? We shouldn't be throwing stones either because we turn blessing into curses all the time. We're absolute pros at taking blessings from God and through our sinful nature, turning them into a curse. Look at money, for instance. Money's not sinful. Money can be a blessing, but we will steal. We will murder for it. We will work ourselves to the bone and reject our family and friends just to make more and more and more of it. We take what is a blessing and we make it a curse. Look at food, for example. Food is a blessing. It's beautiful, but we can overeat. I'm woeful at this. I'm shocking. I sit down and watch a movie. If I open a packet of chips, the big ones I'm talking about, not the little ones, I will eat the whole thing. I cannot stop myself. It's meant to be a blessing, but I turn it into a curse. We take our job. And we put our identity and our worth and who we are into this job. It's meant to be a blessing, but we make it a curse. Because then when we lose our job or if we get made redundant, we don't know who we are anymore. Because I've put it all in that job of who I am. And it's a curse. I mean, I could go on. I've got a list here that I could just keep going, going, going. But this is the problem we face in society today. But I love how Jesus always confronts error with truth. And Mark, in the very next chapter, in chapter 4, he tells a story about Jesus confronting and correcting the religious rulers around Sabbath. And remember, they were the ones who put all these extra rules on the population and enforced them. So Mark 3 recounts the confrontation. It says, And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man who was there who had a withered hand, and there was a man who was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. So we see here, it's a Sabbath day. Jesus is resting. He goes to the place of worship, which is great in a Sabbath day to, to worship God and remember God is in our lives. So he goes there and they've put this guy in front of him, right in the middle, this guy with the withered hand. Because they'd heard that Jesus had been healing on the Sabbath and they believed that it was sin to heal on the Sabbath. One of the comments of the religious rulers in another part of the scriptures, he says, there's six days to get healed. Go and get healed on those days. Don't do it on the Sabbath. Can you believe that? So they sit this guy right in the middle trying to set Jesus up. So this isn't just like that word accuse isn't, ah, gotcha, you shouldn't have done that. This is like a drug sting. So when they, the police set up a drug sting and they get someone, they catch them in the act, they now have evidence to prosecute them. This is what they were doing there. They were trying to find evidence to literally put Jesus to death. And so this is what Jesus done. He gets up and runs away. No, he doesn't. 
He stands firm in the truth because he is Lord of the Sabbath. And he says to the man with the withered hand, step forward. Then Jesus said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they all kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out immediately and plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him, or some translations say how they might kill him. So we see here they set Jesus up. Jesus is like, all right, you know what? I'll give you a teaching on it. What's right? Is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And none of them wanted to answer that question because they knew he was right. Then he goes, watch this. And he does a practical illustration by healing the man right in front of them. You see, the problem was... Love was overcome by these man-made laws. The Pharisees had taken love out of Sabbath and turned it into a burden, void of the consideration of love. You see, Sabbath rest was intended to be a blessing from God, from a place of God's love for you and me. God wanted us to have this day where we would have a blessing of rest and restoration. And so, yes, healing on the Sabbath is absolutely okay. It's absolutely okay to love someone, right? Like we all know that. We're all sitting here going, it's all right on your day off to pray for someone because that's a loving thing to do. So you might sit there and go, well, this is irrelevant for us, Scott. Like what are you, what are you talking about? None of us have an issue with not doing anything. We're busy, busy, busy. We've got stuff to do. Oh, okay. Well, if Jesus was here in our time, that story might go something like this. On the Sabbath... Jesus went for a surf and enjoyed time spending with God and his creation. And then he went into his place of employment where everyone was working on their day off. And as Jesus entered the office, everyone looked at him intently to see what he would do, considering he was super late. Jesus went to his desk, reclined in his seat, put his feet up on the desk and proceeded to take a nap. The boss came storming out of the office, slapped Jesus' feet off the desk and said, what are you doing? Get to work. If I'm here and we're all here working on a day off, you should be too. Jesus replied, what is right? Is it right to work seven days a week with no rest, with no time to see family and friends, to enjoy God's creation? Just so you can earn money, more and more money and build your own little kingdom of wealth? Or is it right to obey God? Take time to rest, enjoy God's creation, take time to spend with loved ones and respect your employees' contribution and ensure that they're rested too and they're healthy out of a place of, of gratitude towards God. The boss just stood over Jesus, trying to intimidate him into, into submission. Jesus, seeing the greediness and the hardness of his heart, slid back into his seat, put his feet back on the desk and proceeded to go back to sleep. The boss, fuming, went to plot with the HR manager how they could shame or bully Jesus into working on his day off or even how they could legally sack him. Might it go something like that? We are, we are one of three of people here. We're either the boss, we're either one of the employees, or we're either Jesus. Now, if we're the boss... Like here, they are so drunk on their own power, on their own authority, on building their own kingdom. They are willing to run over anyone in their way. And if you're on the bus with them and you're not pulling, towing the line, you'll get kicked off and run over as well. Or we're the employees. Where we're working and working and trying to attain a position 
that maybe we're not called to. We're putting all of our identity and our worth in our job. And we're getting sucked in by the pressure of society. And we want that badge of honour of being busy and working hard. And all this stuff that i got here is because of me. Or we like Jesus. Where we recognise the importance and the blessing of Sabbath rest. You see, Sabbath is a blessing. And the Jews, they made it a curse. They made it a burden. And Sabbath is a blessing to us. But we've made it a sin in our society. Like, you don't do that. You work hard. And we see this in burnout statistics. Seven out of ten people have suffered burnout of some sort in their workplace. Seven out of ten. And there's only three out of ten bosses have plans in place to mitigate burnout for their employees. Do you know what that says? That means we have a culture of work, 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 and I'll just drill you to the core to try and get as much as I can out of you. That's the culture we live in. I want to make profit, and I don't care who I run over. And there are two gods that we worship in this culture. They're the gods of accomplishment and accumulation. And the scary thing is we will sacrifice ourselves and others to service these two gods. That's why in the fourth commandment, God included everyone, even employees. That's why, because we will drive people to exhaustion for our own gain and profit. He says, not your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, your cattle, not even people who aren't Jews, it says there. Even strangers who are living in your town, give them a break. Bless them with rest. So if we have employees, God first calls us to demonstrate good Sabbath rest, but also ensure that our employees are getting a Sabbath rest as well. And if you're an employee or if you run the home, which is a greater responsibility in time and demand, then we need to work out how we can intentionally introduce rest into your week, regardless of what people think, regardless of what people say. So what does that look like practically? Well, ask yourself this question. What can I do over the next 24 hours that would fill my soul with a deep, throbbing joy? What could make me spontaneously combust with awe and wonder and gratitude and praise towards God? Because that's what we need to do. Dan Alexander says, Sabbath is a holy time where we feast, we play, we dance, we have sex in marriage, we sing, we pray, we laugh, we tell stories, we read, we paint, we walk and watch creation in all its fullness. You see, what happens in your life? What gives you joy? What fills you up? And this is different for everyone. What fills your tank is what you've got to work out. For me, Sabbath is Friday. So my Sabbath day is Friday and I get up. I don't set my alarm. I just get up whenever my body wants to get up. So my body needs a rest. It sleeps in. If it doesn't, I'm up. And I go for a surf. I go surfing because when I'm surfing, all my worries disappear. And I sit there and it gives me awe and wonder of God's goodness. And I'm seeing his creation and the beauty of it. And I always pray when I'm surfing. I'm always giving thanks to God for the chance that I get to sit and just relax and rest in his grace. And then I come home and and Georgie, my wife, she usually gets off at about 11 o'clock. And then we spend 11 till 3 together. It's a time where me and Georgie just sit and we relax and we talk and we enjoy each other's company. And then at 3 o'clock we go get the kids. They're finished school and we come back and usually Friday night is movie night where I eat those five packets of chips, unfortunately, and all the chocolate in the cupboard. But we sit and we just watch a movie together and that just fills me with joy. It fills my tank up again because I'm so thankful for all the blessings that God's given me in my life. And sometimes people say, hey, can we meet on Friday? And I actually say no. 
I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually busy that day. And I'm not lying. It's because I've literally blocked that out in my diary because I understand the importance of it. It's not that I don't love you. And again, if it's an emergency, you go into hospital, 100%, that's a different story. But if it's just a meeting to discuss stuff, it's not that I don't love you. It's because I love you. Because if I take a good Sabbath rest and spend my time with Jesus, I'll be more like Jesus and I'll point you to Jesus. But if I don't, if I just keep working and working and working, I'll get frustrated and angry and I won't be like Jesus. And so if I work from a rhythm of rest, I will be better equipped to love you from a place of reserve and the fullness of the Spirit and now have a place of nourishment and therefore fruitfulness. You know, I was watching a documentary on Netflix all about soil. I know it sounds really boring, right? <laughs> Super boring. But it was actually really, really interesting. And it really reminded me of the importance of rest. So what the documentary was about is in the United States, they have reaped the ground. They've been reaping and reaping and planting and reaping so much that they never gave the ground rest. So now they've reaped all the nutrients out of the soil. And there's nothing holding the soil together anymore. It's literally just become dust. They have this massive problem with dust storms because the wind comes and there's nothing holding together. It just blows away. Now all the crops that they're planting... They're coming out, the crops are coming out, but they've got no nutrients in them. And so what they were saying is the soil needs, plants take in carbon dioxide and put out oxygen, right? But what it does is it puts that carbon dioxide in the soil. Then we have this massive round of biodiversity stuff going on with animals and stuff in the soil, and, and that needs that carbon. But when we keep sowing and reaping, you take it all out, and the soil becomes dead, and you know what? Science is only just catching up with the Bible on this issue. The Bible says that the Lord said, you know what? You need to give the ground a rest. So they've recognised in this documentary that you can't just keep sowing and reaping. You've got to reap the land and then give it time to rest. Let whatever it wants grow on it and that'll just bring the nutrients back into the soil. But God knew this thousands of years ago because he gave a command to the children of Israel. After he said, you need to rest, he also said, the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow the field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But on the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. I love here when science finally catches up catches up with what God's word's been saying for thousands of years. God knows that the land needs rest and God knows that you need rest. But did you know like that our lives are like the soil of the earth? If we just keep going and going, our soul becomes a field of dust. We're void of any nourishment, unable to produce any good fruit. If we just keep reaping and reaping the ground of our physical, emotional and spiritual life to a point that we have no nutrients left, we're totally empty and the slightest problem or wind comes and blows us into depression or anxiety or fear or physical and mental breakdown. AJ Swamboda says, we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked and spiritually malnourished people in history. But when we intentionally rest, when we give our physical, mental and spiritual being time to break, to stop, to rest and reflect and enjoy life, in that process, what we're doing is we're putting nutrients back into our soil, back into our soul, that we can produce fruit, not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. 
And the beautiful thing is, in that Leviticus text, in verse 18, God gives us a promise. If we do that, if we rest, he says, You shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them, and you will dwell on the land safely. Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell on the land safely. God's like, you know what? If you rest the land one year out of seven, it will continue to produce fruit. You'll have your fill to keep going and going. But if you don't stop, you are going to reap it dry and it's not going to produce the fruit that you want. It's the same with our souls. And you know what the best thing is? I can, I can rest and not feel guilty because I don't work from a place to earn God's love. I work from a place in resting God's love through Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. I'm not trying to earn God's favour. I can rest in what Jesus has done for me. And so God commands us and wants me to rest and enjoy his presence, enjoy his creation. So we must integrate rest or Sabbath into our weekly lives. And did you know that Jesus is the only answer to deep, deep soul rest? Like, you know, that, that, that thing inside of you that just, just can't rest? That true spiritual rest is only found in Jesus. And Hebrews 3 talks about this. It talks about the fact that the Christians have entered into this rest through Jesus Christ. That that soul rest that we all desire is there. And he contrasts it with the children of Israel. So they're in the wilderness 40 years. You know why? Because there was a promise of rest in the promised land and they rejected it. Why? Because they didn't believe God. They rejected it out of unbelief. And in Hebrews 3, it says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart like they did. If you hear the gospel, don't harden your heart to it. Receive that gift because God is promising that gift. But the eternal rest can only be attained through faith in Jesus. Because chapter 4 says in Hebrews, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. But for we who believe do enter that rest. This is the whole point of the gospel. You can work as hard as you like, trying to keep all the commandments, trying to do what's right, but that's never going to get you into heaven. We have this problem of sin. And that's the reason why Jesus was sent, that he would come and live the perfect life that we could not live and die the death that we deserve, that he would be put on the cross, that he would absorb the sin of you and me, that anyone who puts their faith in him would enter the rest of salvation through Jesus Christ. And this is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is all about rest. Does the band want to come up? In verse 9 he says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his work as God did from his. He points back to Genesis. He's like, you know when God completed the work and rested? That's what happens with you. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you enter that rest just like God did. You see, the gospel is all about rest. Rest from trying to earn our way into heaven. Rest from the sinful nature that we have inside. Rest from the power of sin. Rest from the judgment of sin. Rest from, from guilt and shame that we carry. Rest from trying to earn God's love because Jesus has dealt with all of these issues in and through his death, burial and resurrection for all that believe. Praise God that we've entered that rest because his work is complete in Jesus. Jesus says on the cross, it is done. It's finished. You see, the whole Bible is about resting in God. 
Resting in God's faithfulness, resting in God's love, resting in God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And we see the gospel in the first instance of Sabbath in the Bible, right at the beginning of Genesis 2, what he spoke about earlier. God completed creation, it was perfect, and he sat back and rested in his perfect, complete work. And the gospel is exactly the same. Jesus completed the perfect work of salvation for the whole entire world through the cross. And now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we who believe, who repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we enter into that rest. So the question is, have you entered His rest and put your faith and trust in Jesus? Do you want that eternal rest in your soul? And if you are, if you have entered that rest, if you're one of us that we would say we're Christians, have we followed the example of God and obeyed His command and implemented weekly Sabbath, rest from our labours so that we would be more like Jesus, that we would reflect Jesus out of a place of fullness of Spirit, out of the fruit of the Spirit, rather than a dry, empty place because we're working for things that God never asked us to work for. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank You so much, God, for Your grace. Even this message was hard for me to write, Lord, because I have not followed Your command. Lord, I repent. Lord, I ask for Your forgiveness. And, and Lord, we repent. Lord, would You forgive us our sin of not stopping, of not enjoying Your presence, enjoying Your creation, enjoying the blessing of Sabbath. God, would you help us rearrange our lives that we would have time to spend with you and with family and with friends, that we would be full. It would be full of your spirit, God, for your glory. And if you're here and you've never entered into that spiritual rest, that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, heed those words in Hebrews. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your hearts. God offers you eternal rest through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you need to do to earn His love. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. All you need to do is repent and put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you. If that's you today, just pray this prayer with me. Father God, forgive me of my sin. I thank you that Jesus died for me, did everything that needs to be done, that I could come into relationship with you. Lord, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe He rose again in victory over sin and death. And Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit and eternal life and peace in my heart. I thank you, Lord. Amen. This is what we get to do. We get to rest in His presence, rest in His salvation, rest in what He has accomplished for us. So how about we stand and we worship the God that we rest in?